0: Watches the show and he's targeting Max Scherzer. Boom, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Pierzinski's in Dallas is going to tee off in like 15, 20 minutes when he's going to be here for Scott Boris, super agent, and Max Scherzer's agent joining us to talk about the sticky situation. Matt Barnes later, who's very opinionated, Marlins reliever. Corbin Burns, Brewers starter, also on this and life for him and making sure he's okay as the peck issue. Dan Otero, who's going to represent the league side of what's going on in the Scherzer situation, and Ken Rosenthal. Oh, and the Oakland A's are moving. So, oh, and Madison Bumgarner was DFA'd. Yeah, deep breaths, Kratzy, I see it. Woo! you got a lot to do today. I keep
1: losing all my bets, too. So, that's fortunately, that's getting overshadowed, like Bumgarner getting DFA'd. So That's
0: how you hide the news, AJ, if you're not doing well with something, <laughs> right? Like, hey, yes. the, the Diamondbacks were like, yo, there's so much news going on, and Manfred was calling out player contracts. The Dimebacks are like, well, let's just DFA Baumgartner today and sneak that under there. He's, I mean, he, he's not doing
2: that bad, is he? I know he had a rough start against St. Louis the other day. But, mm. yeah. I mean, he's yelling at Contreras.
3: Working. It's probably because he yelled at, yeah, it's probably because he yelled at Contreras. You
0: think that's what was the final that's, straw? That
3: was the final straw. Tori. yeah, Tori. I'm going to call him after this show. I'm going I'm to get to the bottom of it.
1: Yeah, ask him. Yep. No comment.
0: Manager uh, asked a question. is your boy, right, Brock? Tory? Yeah.
3: Oh, one of my favorites. Besides Butterfield. I got Butterfield right behind me. He's number one. Ooh. He's one A. Tory, Tory's Tory's one B. Tory was unbelievable. Hey, yeah, but well, Butter
1: never became Butter never became a uh Butter never became a manager, so he can still be cool. That's Tory true. can't be cool. He's got to have manager talk now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, but I I still feel like I don't I don't feel like Tory can 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 go backwards. I think I think he's even even as manager Tory, he's he's a guy you want in your corner so um like i said he's one of he's one of my favorites all time that i've that i've been around
0: brock before we jump into the scherzer stuff and talk about it ourselves before we bring in scott boris what do you got around your neck
3: he did it he did it he never has to run he never has to run again i would consider i would consider there i am look at it i would consider myself a marathon finisher not a marathon runner um (laughs) because it was, it took me almost six hours, but I got an official time. I think anything under six, you get an official time. So um, that, that was such a cool experience. Um, and like I said, not one that I'll ever do again, but um, just to see how many people come out for that. Um, they root, they legitimately root for you from start to finish. They, they, they push you to the end. Um, see, that's why my time was so slow. I, I made a lot of pit stops. I saw the kids, uh, a lot of friends in Boston. So. Uh, there were a lot of pit stops, a lot of rests. Um, we had a blast doing it. Weather was, weather was shitty. Um, there's a, there's a sign. My wife saw that. I didn't even see that one. My wife saw that sign and, and made me turn around and, and, and come take a picture with it. So, uh, we enjoyed the day. We were sore the next day. And, um, I guess two days out now I'm, I'm feeling almost back to normal, except this thing's heavy around the neck.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, who, wait, who finished first? You or your wife?
3: I finished first. I I, I got her by, by about five minutes. But if you look at our rankings, they are a, about as as last place as you can get without getting <laughs> last place. So she didn't I, make I, you
2: stop and wait for because like, I, I, I did. To maybe no, stop. I, and say, yeah, I no, did. No, no, no.
3: I ran I ran with her for probably the first first half, and then and then I would kind of go go up a little ways, and then. We'd, we'd meet up with with someone who was there watching and then I'd, I'd sit there and wait for her and, and and she'd catch up and then I'd go ahead so um, she gave up on all the hills uh, about halfway so she would walk up the hills and I'd and I'd shuffle up the hills I guess so I'd, I'd get a little bit on her but then I'd, I'd wait for her um, but then I, I wanted to cross the finish line before her so I could get a video of her her coming across so like I said something something cool that, that we shared together and, and it, I mean, it was awesome. The The day was awesome. Um, glad we did it. Um, but I'm also glad it's over.
0: Well, congratulations, bud. And then we, j- you just jump right into the fire today and we're like three minutes away from Scott Boris joining us. AJ, since you're only with us for a portion, then you tee off in the all celebrity world classic. Um, what are, you, <laughs> what are your thoughts on what went down yesterday? We had Scherzer on just the other day. First of all, it's the invited celebrity
2: classic. So get it right. Not the all <laughs> world celebrity classic. Uh, I am I, in shock. I, I did a radio show in Chicago this morning. And of course the first question was Max Scherzer and I'm in shock. We had sure. I said this and I've tweeted this and whatever. Max Scherzer is not a stupid person. He would have to be, excuse my language, the fucking stupidest guy in the history of the fucking world to go on our show on Monday, have this exact conversation and then turn around two days later, come back and have spider tech on his fingers. He would have to be, a complete idiot. And Max Scherzer is far from an idiot. So it's either that or, listen, there's been three guys ever been kicked out. They've all been by the guy you see in the middle of your screen, Phil Cuzzy. And I'm not saying Phil Cuzzy's a bad guy. I'm not saying Phil Cuzzy's out looking for dudes. But the facts are the facts. And he has thrown out all three of these guys. So I don't know what happened. If you listen to Max's explanation after the game, he doesn't sound like a guilty person to me. You don't stand there and swear on your kids' lives and go off like that and go on the offensive. If you're guilty, I'm sorry. That's just not what you do as a person or as a player. So I I feel like something happened. And there's an MLB person watching Max rinse his hand. He said he rinsed my hand. I used alcohol. I put rosin right back on. Where's this MLB person? Why are they not in front of the cameras? Where's Phil Cuzzy? I want to hear from Phil Cuzzy. I don't need to hear from a pool reporter saying, yeah, he said this or that. Screw that. Phil Cuzzy, stand up. Say why you threw him out. And Let's get to the bottom of it.
0: Maybe we'll get him on the show, doubtful, but we are going to have a league official later. Let's get the perspective from Super Agent Scott Boris joining us right now, representing Max. Released a statement yesterday, and we were like, we need to get into this a lot more. Scott, great to see you. You got Prasinski and Holt and Kratz here, and we're excited to dive into this because it's a real problem, and it's why we spoke to Max about it the other day. How are you doing today, and, and what are your thoughts, especially the day later now, from what everything's going down with the league? First of all, this group's looking in a lot better shape than me. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know you look at no Scott. You know? um,
4: no, the, the, the essence of this is that when you set up systems and rules and do things that create standards instead of rules, what do I mean by that? Is that if you're driving on the freeway and the rule is drive safely, That means that how you're driving is subject to subjective interpretation by the governing body. If the rule is drive 55, then you have standards and you have notice to the driver about your exact conduct that you're to carry out. Max yesterday gets a warning, you know, pursuant to. The rules of there's this rule in, in Major League Baseball, it's called 602C, which says that the umpires are to warn them and that you uh, basically give the player an opportunity. And uh, ironically, MLB officials are in the tunnel of the dugout area. They observe Max cleaning his hands with alcohol and a designed to take any substance off. Then he applies rosin and sweat for the rosin to adhere, and then he goes out. Now the testimony of the umpires, what I call the Koozie Spectrometer, is that <laughs> you you have you have men that are suggesting that after this conduct being witnessed by an MLB official, they're suggesting that the tackiness that they observed originally in the prior inning had now, by touch, increased or advanced beyond what the tackiness was from the prior inning. So the assumption is now that the standard is no tacky-tacky and tacky-tacky. And we have now heard that tacky-tacky is not by their touch is not something that is now acceptable. My point to you is, what and how does the manager, coaches, players, and frankly, this burden should not be on umpires. Because how do you know? What what is the variable? What's the standard? And then we take a historic major league player who is obviously gifted, throwing 95, 96, everything who Max Scherzer is brilliant, has been given a warning, cleans his hands in front of an MLB official. And then the observation, the subjective observation is that it's stickier than it was before, or quote, after they spoke, I'm sure, to the commissioner's office, the umpires then report after the game, it's the stickiest I've ever seen. So everything, uh, every aspect of this testimony is subjective. Every aspect of this is illogical, because obviously when you warn a player and he goes out and cleanses his hands, that the suggestion that it's stickier, well, what's it sticky with? It's sticky with an approved substance. But the answer is when the approved substance is not approved, is in the subjective intent and observation of the touch-touch test by a couple umpires. And And when you do this in a system, you have basically damaged the game. You prevented fans from seeing a great player. You prevented his team and ownership from depriving the skills of that player. And basically you provided a system that it is in effect. There is no way that a player can judge or have notice of how he is to apply rosin, which is by rule an accepted substance offered to the players by the league.
2: Well, Scott, first, thank you for coming on with us it- This is an important subject for me and for many people out there that love baseball. What's next for Major League Baseball? What's next for Max? I know there's an automatic 10-game suspension. There's an appeal process, correct? And why have we not heard from the MLB official that watched him wash his hands, put Rosano's hands, and then go right to the mound? Where's that person? And why have we not heard from Phil Cuzzy? Why doesn't he have to answer questions?
4: Well, I assume he's somewhere in Milwaukee. His name is Brian Anderson, so we have a couple of them there. I don't know. But um, I, I, I think the, the aspect of this is one where we, the logic of this, as you pointed out earlier, AJ, is that a player would not go out, cleanse his hands, and, and we know that he did it because an MLB official observed it. He would not go out and, and make his hands stickier are tackier, as they said, but that's their allegation that after cleansing his hands and putting the rosin on and applying the sweat uh, to, to make it moist and adhere, he went out and by their judgment, it was um, tackier than before. And I, I, my point about all this, if they want a level of tackiness, that is acceptable or not acceptable, the players, trainers the coaches everyone around needs to know what that standard is but the standard they're applying is so subjective that that there is no way to have notice so it's left clearly in the hands of the only umpire in baseball that finds this standard to be objectable to him
1: who is who is who is to blame ultimately in this whole thing who is it, I mean, you can cut it up into portions. You can give it all 100% blame to one person. Who, Who is to blame here? And how can we fix that?
4: You have to have rules. You have to have specificity. First of all, we do not want players, umpires. We do not want the rules of our game adjudicated in open public in front of 50,000 fans. We want it done privately. So there should be what I look Uh, They have an Apple genius at the stores. We need an MLB genius at every game. And we need him there to do what? To adjudicate these things privately and say, your hands are acceptable. You can go out. We're going to look at your hands. We're going to do this independent of the umpires. We're going to do this privately. When you go out, if, if you want to check them, it's done in the tunnel of the dugout. There's a procedure before the pitcher goes out, and they do that. And if they want to check them afterwards, they do so in that tunnel. And you can have a spectrometer. You can have all kinds of testing devices there that determine what substances are on a player's hand. And we can have all kind of uh, scientific methodologies to determine what that substance is and what would look, you know, in a spectrometer. So these things can all be set up and done, but we don't want to do it in front of fans, and we certainly don't want to damage the image of players, and we don't want to in any way way affect the momentum of the game and we also don't want to put umpires in this position because it's obviously something that is so difficult for them to apply that frankly only one umpire has ever applied that judgment
3: yeah scott well the lawyer's really coming out in you right now and and, and as a jury i find max not guilty of (laughs) of the sticky of the sticky substance um I'm Team Max, obviously, played with him, know, know how he is as a competitor. Do you think the, the domingo Herman incident had anything to do with this as far as like when they had the conversation, he went back into the dugout, he came back out, they, they let him pitch? Kind of a big deal around that. Um, Max, kind of the same situation, but, but I, I'm with you. I mean, it's so subjective. Like there's got to be a better way than to just touch somebody's hands to, to see if, like you said, if it's not tacky-tacky or in your words, tacky-tacky.
4: Yeah, the the uh, I think we all, you know, the frustration that a player feels, obviously, is, <laughs> what am I doing? You, you saw me apply the only substance on my hands is approved. Now you're saying I'm applying it at a level that is unapproved. How would I know that level? And the answer to this is that in our rules and in what we do, um, we have to have specificity if we're going to engage in a rule. We cannot have subjectivity. We cannot have uh, the field test. And the other thing, you say, Max, has an appeal. Well, let me tell you about that appeal. That is a commissioner's office official who will adjudicate and rule on that field. And they'll take the umpire's reports and they'll say, sorry, tacky-tacky is not tacky. So tacky-tacky violates the rule. So you get suspended because you're tacky-tacky instead of tacky. And we have no idea what the difference between tacky-tacky and tacky is.
1: <laughs> do, you feel like, do you feel like the tacky-tacky and the tacky was an attack on Max? Do you feel like because he is not afraid to say things, because of what he represents as an incredible player's player, that do you feel like it was uh ah, this might be a 50-50 thing we're taking we're we're gonna attack Max on this
4: you know you uh you never want to imply or discuss things you know well, it's kind of like the classic thing did did the did the pitcher throw at the hitter? Well only when AJ was catching but the,
2: the... <laughs>
4: hey hey <laughs> But 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 you know the thing of it is my point is AJ umpires could think well AJ's catching so you know what he's going to throw at the the hitters and and but the reality I, I don't ever want to imply intent I don't want to do that I, I don't want to uh, infer something I don't have knowledge of I just really want to make the point that if MLB goes to the level of having officials in the private areas of the dugout and they observe players cleansing their hands. And you know that that is kind of the, the, that that is the the clarity that Max brought to this process. There's nothing on my hands. Here, I'm cleaning it with an astringent to remove anything you suggest is on there. Now you're going to watch me put the rosin and the sweat on and go out. The result of that the result of that is that, you know, I'm Catholic, so I've gone to confession. I've I've been there. And the result of it is that he goes out to the mound, and they say that he is in a worse state, a worse state. And then the allegations that come from that go, well, I don't know what's on his hands because um, it's appeared to me to be something that's more than rosin. Really? Well, where does that testimony come from and what's the basis for it? And and the reality of it is, is that we're dealing with a, a witness from the, a neutral witness that watched him cleanse his hands and only apply the substances that are given to him by the lead. So then my suggestion is, did the lead give him a rosin bag that has something different than rosin? I mean, we all can apply a vast level of conduct that's, has potentials that are not demonstrated by evidence, but the fact is, the evidence is he cleaned his hands, he went out, and after doing so and applying the product that they know was the product given to the player by the league, that that product produced, in the umpire's interpretation, a substance that was tacky,
2: tacky versus tacky. Well, we got a new now, nickname for Max. He's the chemist now because he can make alcohol and rosin. Like Spider Tech, so he's got a job after he's done. I, I guess <laughs> so. <laughs> so, and by the way, Scott, only your only your clients threw at me like Derek Lowe, Matt McFlinn, who works for you. Those guys, they were the ones that always they threw at me. I didn't tell them to throw at anybody else. Okay. So,
4: what, what's I'm next? not going to deny that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's next? What, what's what's next? The, I know he has an appeal. How, did you call as soon as you saw this? Did you call Manfred? Do you call Raul Labanyes? Do you call somebody in the league office and say, "This
4: well, is the, bullshit."
2: What do we do? And then now, what? Uh, what's the appeal process? I, I don't yeah. know.
4: In real, in in these processes, the MLBPA are are the sanctioned body that provides um, the representation of Max in in a hearing over rule violation and such. And and certainly the attorneys there do a great job of of. Uh, you know, supporting the players and representing them. And obviously we, uh, we contact them and, and give them our, our, uh, you know, our, our, opinions of, of what's occurred, make sure that Max's testimony is chronicled and, and such. But remember, this is not a neutral judge. This is somebody that's going to, the, the umpires are employed by the league. The person adjudicating this case is employed by the league. And so normally in these dynamics is that it is not someone who is going to look at the rules and say the rules are so subjective that it's not. Uh, this is not an expert. When they touch a hand and say from one inning to the next that it's tacky or tackier or it's the most tacky I've ever felt, uh, those, those dynamics and standards are not chronicled. It's not 0.3 centimeters. This It's not there's no definition to any of this. It's just really a subjective manifestation of what that day that umpire chooses to adhere to. And the only interesting about this is that the other umpires have stayed away from these subjective dynamics unless they have a noticeable substance. When you go back and look at Herman's case, now the umpire said to him, excuse me, you can't ply the rosin until you get out to the mound.
3: Well, and sounds going,
4: like now there is no rule that says when or if you can apply the rosin. Because now we have a time constraint where you're running out to the mound and you're going out and you gotta put the correct amount of rosin on, get that done, and then you have to do your warm up pitches and you have to do that within a time frame. So we have all those things that are interfacing with the rule in addition to what now we have an interpretive application that's not written so, again, the players have no notice of when and how to apply the roster.
2: Well, it sounds to me like you're screwed, so good luck against the league. Maybe instead of the MLBPA, they could hire you to go in there and give Max oh, case. The, the, believe me, the
4: arguments I'm making are things that the MLBP lawyers are fully aware of, and uh, they, they have great experience in going through these things. The only problem that we have is that, you know, the, these types of hearings – are solely in the hands of the commissioner's office. And um, it makes the foundations of the rules, why the rules are where they are, what's the reason for this. And obviously we need a greater interpretation of this. We need to get a better, we need to have a rule, not a standard. We need to remove the subjectivity from the umpires. And I don't blame the umpires because the umpires are sitting there doing something that all of a sudden the focus is on them. They're doing this field test and I think the reason that the many, many umpires have stayed away from this is because when you hear the basis for the decision-making, which is one inning is tacky and the next inning is tacky-tacky, but knowing that he cleaned his hands, which would logically remove the subject of tackiness, and yet he reapplies it, you know in front of the people that what he's using is league sanction. I don't know. I, and what I'm most upset about is that who they're doing this to. This is Max Scherzman. This is a man who is the world champion, is a three-time Young award winner. He, uh, he is a person that does what you should do as a major league baseball player. He is that kind of person. The, the amount of information that, that he shares with my young clients and what he does to teach how to be a major leaguer and how to live his life on and off the field. That is what is most disturbing to me.
0: Hey, Scott, so for Max, this is also a personal attack of his character. This is likely going to cost him money. And he spoke very heated right after the game yesterday. He also, of course, spoke to us a few days ago and called out this very issue and said this is going to be a problem. But then you have Phil Cuzzy afterward, like you mentioned earlier, saying this is the stickiest he's felt anyone's hands in three seasons to be the judge of how sticky someone's hands are. So, I mean, technically it's slander. How does Max feel about that afterward? Because Max spoke to the media before Phil Cuzzy addressed the one pool reporter. So how did Max react to somebody calling out his character, costing him money, and basically saying he's a cheater? Well, umpires' opinions are protected. So, so we
4: are, you, know, you talk about slander and things of that nature is that their their opinions about what they see or don't see on the field is something that is the, the nature of, of uh, their opinion and they're allowed to give that. But remember that these these umpires immediately when they are in the room, you're going to find out that they received phone calls. They received statements. They received advice exactly what to say to the media and when. And obviously, when you have a subjective rule, you want to provide evidence in your report that lends to objective evidence that is going to make sure that under their existing rules they have the uh, needed testimony to provide evidence to support uh, the claims that will be coming, knowing that the player is saying it's rosin, it's rosin. And then they're going to use the rule to say no you use too much rosin because we told you, we warned you and told you it was too sticky. And then the, um, the fact that's interesting though is that Max cleansed his hands in front of an MLB official, which was probably unknown to them. And in doing so, uh, reapplied the rosin uh, in front of them and then went out. And so that makes their testimony How do I put it? Interesting.
0: When's the testimony? When does this get to be solved? Because maybe this is a chance for, you know, your party and the MLBPA and everyone to present a case and say, actually, this isn't an automatic suspension. This needs to be fixed.
4: Well, the uh, that would be up to the MLBPA uh, and their lawyers uh, that are, you know, representing Max in the hearing and MLB. We we have not heard anything from MLB yet, so.
2: So that means it's not happening quick. It's not going to be quick.
0: <laughs> well, I the think – no. Well, no, because
2: think, my – well, Scott, because it's automatic 10 games. Does that 10 games start today for the, or the Mets' next game or did it wait till the appeal, do you see? Because if it's automatic 10 games, which I think is wrong, then would Max be suspended for the next 10 games or – Is there until the appeal?
4: Well, obviously, Max will file an appeal to this. Um, And again, when we get down to the rules that are applicable, you understand the issue here. The issue is this is completely a subjective judgment. And to suggest that this is not an independent arbitrator, it's a it's a. Employee of the commissioner's office that will adjudicate this. And they will look at the rule and say that these umpires have every right uh to make subjective judgments and say, and and the fact that the player doesn't have notice, doesn't have notice. You no, know, did the umpires come out and say to Max? Uh, hey we warned you and Max goes look I put this in front of your officials I clean my hands I uh, test them, and they could have said no 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 it's still too tacky go wash off again they didn't do that because they're going to say that they warned him before because now if it's a subjective standard then and you want the player to play and you want the rules observed you're going to have to say no I understand you're just putting the rosin and the sweat on I get that I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm just telling you for our purposes, it's too tacky. So go back in and wash it off again and make it less tacky. They didn't do that. They threw him out. And the reason is, is that they, they're they going to say they warned him the first time. And so the, the, the point of this is, is that whether or not the empires knew or knew the process that was going on in the dugout, I don't know. But to suggest that a man cleans his hands with alcohol in front of an MLB official and applies only rosin in front of it to suggest that their testimony is after doing that, that it is more tacky than it was prior inning. I suggest to you that any player who uses rosin, any player who applies it is now subject to the, to having absolute no notice that he can be uh, suspended from major league baseball. Just how do you know you don't know? And it's clearly in the purview of the umpire to, to make that judgment. And you're walking out there with the the uncertainty that if you do use any form of Roslyn, that
0: they would have this potential to suspend you. Yeah. And, and Max called it out the other day. It was like, first off, these checks need to happen behind the scenes. It's weird. It's gotten so weird and awkward. It's like there's there's hand-touching from mumps. We're discussing and debating how much someone's washing their hands. It feels like kindergarten. It's very strange. So, Scott, we only have a few minutes left with you. There was two other things I wanted to ask you about. One was the commissioner came out on Tuesday and said, a reform that has been of interest to ownership for a number of years is a limitation of contract length. And then went on and on about how you know they need to pass the money on to yesterday's stars. I'm paraphrasing a little bit at that point. But the quotes are too long. And then, of course, MLBPA executive director Tony Clark responded that it was basically an assault on guaranteed contracts. I have a feeling I know where you stand on this, but what were your reactions when you heard about that?
4: Well, the saber rattling about free agent rights, arbitration rights is always going to be a constant uh, from the commissioner's office. Um And look, when when you've got a luxury tax restraint that we have in Major League Baseball, you don't have to worry about the length of contracts. And the reason you don't have to worry about them is because that element is something that creates the greatest burden and restraint on the relationship between revenues earned from Major League Baseball and what percentage of revenues the players receive. And contract length, I don't think the commissioner is at all concerned with because the reality of it is he knows that the clarity and point of light in this process is that do I have the buzzer? Do I have the thing that restrains the true value of? players and in the current contract form they have that with the luxury tax penalties rules and uh, uh, and i think tony is exactly right that what is going on in major league baseball right now is a great success increased franchise values uh, revenues that are truthfully in the 14 billion dollar area The game is an amazing success with gaming, with uh, streaming, with all the things ahead uh, to suggest that there's alterations required that would limit the potentials of players, star players to receive revenues. I I find that merely to be that there is always a need and a want to look to other leagues and say, why don't we have that? And I think the difference that's we're going to always hear that with major league baseball versus other leagues. And I think the point of light is that that the game is very, very successful under the current rights structure of having free agency and having arbitration for players. And the amount of control that the owners have over that, I think, is something where they get to reserve the best players in the game for six years. Six years they get to hold on to those great players, and for three of those years, pay them the minimum salary. What a great system for
2: having the stars of our game under control, Scott. Since we're talking contracts, there might be a new player for you to call and investigate or call and negotiate with, and that would be Las Vegas Athletics. I don't think you've sent a lot of your big names to Oakland lately, but when they move to Vegas, and it looks like it's going to happen. Are you going to be on the phone with Billy Bean in, in the Oakland Athletics saying, "Hey, look, I've got Manny Machado. He's got an opt out here in 27. What do you think? 300 million more? $500 million?
4: Well, AJ I'm always on the phone with Billy Bean. <clears throat> I told him I said, "We might may not do much, but I brought Mount Fuji to you." So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so w- what do you think about what do you think about them moving? It's about time, right? They they can't sustain. Well, you know, car, the, know the from a TV rights standpoint, the Bay Area is one of our most prominent rights uh, markets and you're talking 12, 13 million people to suggest that a team's going to leave a market uh, that is like Chicago and New York uh, to go to Vegas, which I think is a certainly a valued potential for a major league franchise. But I just think there's a lot of things that can be done in the Bay area by major league baseball to make that a very, very viable market and make it a very viable television market as we've done with, you know, the New York and Chicago markets. So um, but uh, sometimes relationships with the city fathers and things like that uh, are uh, reach a point where the leverage going to use is an exterior city.
2: Is he for, So you're for expansion over relocation.
4: Well, I, I believe that you know uh, expansion is something that we. I do believe we have franchises that do need to be relocated. Um, the Bay Area is not one of those areas that I would think that is not viable to raise a very successful major league team if it's uh, done correctly. Um, and again, in fairness to ownership with the relationship with cities and. And, and MLBs approving them to move to San Jose versus uh, Oakland, all those things are, are inherent in the decision of utilizing the Bay Area. But uh, I do believe that we have two, a couple great expansion cities, and I do believe we have a couple franchises that would, that would really benefit from uh, moving to markets where their uh, business and valuations would substantially increase
0: scott thank you so much for joining us important to have you on today of course given all the news especially to get to the max stuff and you know we look forward to having you when these kind of topics pop up always welcome so good luck fight the good fight and hopefully we see max on the field without all the bs suspension stuff because the league can't even figure out the rules great I'm going to go try to hit the gym, guys. I had to catch up before I come on. All right. (laughs) (laughs) right. Appreciate you, Scott. Thank Thank you, you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Scott Morris getting us really, really good insight on what's going on. AJ, I know you have to jump to go tee off with Mm -hmm. the top celebrities in the country. So, (laughs) thoughts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your thoughts
2: there? No, I'm just happy I got to be a part of that because I wanted to hear a side of it. He's on I'm on Max's side, like Brock said. I think it's it's BS what happened. And I'm glad we got to hear about the process. I don't know the process. I played for almost two decades, and I had an appeal, and you call the phone, and it's Joe Torrey on the other end, and you say, well, I did this, and yeah, I threw my helmet at Bob Davidson because he sucked that night. Well, okay, you get suspended one game. Okay, that's it. Fine, move on. But there is with this one, this is different because this is, like we talked about, this is a man's career, his personal personal stuff like they took personal shots when you say max serzer is a cheater which i don't think he is at all so i i I wanted to hear what his side of it was and it was enlightening not only about max but about the 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 oakland stuff and the manfred contract stuff because i'm pro player obviously so it was awesome to hear and and i can't thank scott boris enough for coming on
0: yeah i'm with you i mean a lot of good insight there and of course a lot of Scott one-liners too, like the tacky, fuzzy tacky. barometer,
3: tacky, 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 <laughs> tacky. yeah, not <laughs> tacky, tacky, tacky. There,
0: there's a barometer, right? It, it's tacky, tacky, tacky. Up, oh, he hit the tacky, tacky. In my mind, <laughs> you know, and, and also like you could have more sensitive hands, so maybe it feels stickier to him than it does to others. So we'll we'll get into it. We got a lot more to get to with other guests too. AJ, good luck.
3: Go Thanks, boys. It, Go, right? get Go get it. Show. Go get him, AJ.
0: And, uh, get
2: your gear on foulterritoryshow.com.
0: Yes.
3: Good call. Ooh, good. Thank you. Nice I plug
0: there. Plug. That's good. All about it. Look, if you want to look like Kratzy and not like me, where everyone says my shirt's too tight today. I just wanted to make sure, before we jump into Slap Hands, that you guys were able to get whatever opinions you wanted out there. We, we went through Mad Bum. We went a little bit with Ken through the Oakland A's situation. For me, it's a bummer. I mean, I actually do think there are a lot of A's fans. I think that's a big market, too. So. Agreed. I was pretty pissed because... You're seeing it play out. You knew it was going to happen. But then when it actually does hit, and it's real now. I mean, it's a binding agreement. It's happening. They've been fighting with the city forever. So it just sucks for Oakland fans and for Oakland to lose another team. So just wanted yeah. to say I feel no,
3: I, Yeah, I I agree. I, I mean, obviously, I hated going to Oakland. Um, didn't like the stadium. You know, obviously, clubhouse, whatever. But whenever they're good and they have fans their fans are great like when steven vote was there and they were chanting i believe in steven vote i believe in steven vote like i was <laughs> at, i was in right field and i was like chanting it with them you know because it was awesome and they would look up stuff about you and talk talk about you know yell stuff at you like they were they're good fans and um yeah when the when the oakland days are good it's it, it's fun to, to to play there so it, it sucks for them Sucks for the fans, um, but I mean that's that stadium is bad. So
0: it's bad on purpose. They didn't do anything to it. They, right, they exactly. purposely made it worse. They didn't. They never even fixed anything. That that's wrong.
3: Yeah.
1: And and I think I think we're getting too caught up on the stadium part of it. As players, you know, we have a voice. We have a voice of okay, the stadium sucks. Rendon shouldn't be able to be touched by a fan or be able to touch a fan there. You know, you're walking, you're walking out and to no fans out there, but you're right, Scott, like there is a ton of fans out in Oakland because like the other Scott, little Scott, Scott Boris said, <laughs> said, well, yeah, that's a huge market there. There's such, you got to get the TV deals right out there. My question to Ken would be, Is it possible? Can Oakland say, okay, you know what? They're going to Vegas. Can we bring a team back in here? Because there's Oakland A's fans. There are people that grew up in the Bay Area that were either A, a Will Clark fan, or B, a Ricky Henderson fan. And there was people, you know, like there is huge fans out there for the A's. Can they be back can they be back and say, hey, we'll take an expansion team here in Oakland, and all of a sudden, whoop, now we get a new stadium?
0: No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not saying, saying are, no, they allowed? Yeah.
1: are they allowed?
0: They are definitely allowed. I'm just saying the, the league won't do it. And my thing, if you're an A's fan, is I think sometimes when a team has moved in the past, the fans still stick with the team. The ownership dislikes you. As a fan, if you're in Oakland, they have displayed that, especially the last few years. So I would be curious, maybe at some point we'll bring on an A's fan or two, some of the diehards, and be like, are you still going to root for this team when they go to Vegas? Are you going to pick up another team? Of course, there's a team nearby, but they probably don't like them. So I would think that's hard. If it was me, given this particular situation, I'd be like, I'm out.
3: And I'm sure there are some A's fans who are out because of the way they've run the team, right? They they get rid of their favorite players all the time. You know how do you you know Matt Olson, you know uh, Matt Chapman, Sean Murphy, just recently. I mean they trade everybody, they get rid of their best players, and that's part of the reason why they're in the situation that they're in. I mean you have to have guys like that that fans want to come to the ballpark and see, and they don't have those guys.
1: Mm -hmm, But but there's, but like what you said, Scott, it doesn't it doesn't hit on what I'm arguing about. They hate the ownership, agreed. They hate the fact that the stadium stinks, agreed. But what if a new governor gets you know or senator whoever whoever's the one that keeps kiboshing this thing at the ground level, building a new stadium, build a new stadium in an area where fans have easy access, new ownership. Those fans are still going to come out because baseball is. And I guess football is kind of this way, but you're prideful of your city. Like you have pride, like you grow up in Philadelphia or around Philadelphia. You wanna make sure everybody knows, yes, I'm from Pennsylvania, but not Pittsburgh. I'm close to Philly. Like I'm a Philly fan and you associate, you don't associate with the Philadelphia Orchestra. You don't associate (laughs) with the Philadelphia Riverfront. No, you associate with the sports teams. And so people in Oakland want to associate with their Oakland sports teams and they just keep getting shipped out of town.
0: Perfectly stated. Unfortunately, it just seems like a hypothetical because no chance for a long time. I mean, you have a team moving. They're going to pop two more teams up. There's a 0% chance that those teams will be in Oakland. But to answer your question, no, they're not banned from having a team. They're just going to be looked at like Montreal. There's fans in Montreal still that always call for it. There's this group um, that reminisces and that wants to bring it back. It's just not likely because the league's going to say, well, you couldn't handle a team. And sure, there was ownership intervention um, on that, but that's just the card that they've been dealt. So I feel for them. Let's do slap hands. Let's go. All right. Two promos. One, because we had Corbin Burns on, and I forgot this, but I'm not too late. Brew, crew, territory. Doing some regional shows. This is the kickoff. Episode number two is out there now with our guy, Freddie Peralta. But episode one had prospect reports from Baseball America. We had Yelich on. We had Woodruff on. Every week the latest and greatest on the brew crew through the highs and the lows and their top players. I think Rowdy's coming on again soon. Next episode, of course, we'll include some Corbin Burns in there every Tuesday available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, the whole deal. Check it out. It's Wade was on that
1: episode too. with That's right. That f- funny Peralta picture. Mm-hmm. Freddie hit, Fre- Brock, you missed it. Freddie hit breakfast in the hotel lobby. And then he also was hitting lunch and Wade, I think I'm not sure what he was coming for. Like, you know rednecks they eat they eat whenever they want to eat mm-hmm. so you know he was probably packing some food for his family but he showed up in that episode too
3: <laughs> bro i'm a huge brew crew fan man i i wish it would have worked out with me and the brew crew we had covid season i got shipped out of there real quick but um i love everything about the brew crew man yeah it's a great
1: fan base you would have been you would have been a guy out there just because one the way you play two you wear your uniform really weird so they mm-hmm.
3: associate
0: with that kind of oh, stuff
3: oh yeah yeah
0: One more promo from me, just because I like the artwork. Fernando Tatis Jr., I'm back. Dugout Report does great art on IG, so here he comes. I like it. Yeah, but Jordan came back in 45. He didn't come back in 23. True, true. Good call. All right, I'll tell our guy that to fix it, but it's going to be crazy. And also for the Padres, I mean, Tatis coming back, Joe Musgrove's coming back. Things are looking good for the fan base there, even though, you know, in California, it's like bad times for Oakland, great times for San Diego. Wow, we did it. And did we do it on time? We're gonna get off at three? How about that? Impressive. Rockstar, thanks for joining us, man. Congrats again Absolutely. on the marathon, dude. Get Thank some you rest. so much. Yeah, oh, yeah, awesome.
3: we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll rest, we'll rest.
0: Yeah, get some Perfect. more Norma Tech sleeves.
3: <laughs> I got some right here, I'm about to jump in them.
0: <laughs> you're so big time. <laughs> hey, if you're a podcast listener, we'll re- we'll release separate pods on some of these interviews: Burns, Barnes, Boris, Rosenthal. What a damn day on FT Live. Hey, BetMGM is running an MLB bet ten dollars get one hundred dollars instantly promo when you use the bonus code Spicy MLB. You can get this offer in four easy steps: sign up and deposit at least ten dollars into your newly created account download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Place a pregame Moneyline wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price. Then you will receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. If you sign up in Massachusetts or Ohio, you will receive $200 in bonus bets. Just remember to use the bonus
3: code SPICYMLB. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler